Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Melissa Chang from Park. <laughs> um, for those who don't know me, and um, I apologize for my voice this morning. I usually don't sound so much like a man, um, but uh, with the allergies and everything, it's really getting to my throat here. But I um, hope you all bear with me. Um, I'm going to just start us off with a word of prayer. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I want to start off our day meditating and learning about your word. Uh, for some of us, we're probably very familiar with these stories and parables, and and yet we 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 are still we can still learn and uh, apply them to our lives. Uh, may today's daily breath be a blessing to all of us here. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Um, so today's passage is on Mark 10, 17 to 31, and I'm just going to read this um, for the New Living Translation. Um, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now and return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. <clears throat> so I feel like we've heard this passage many times before. And you know when you initially read this straight through, it seems pretty straightforward. I mean, Jesus is basically stating that possessing lots of money is bad, so don't have a lot of it and be obsessed over it, or else it'll be really hard for you to go to heaven. The end. <laughs> That's probably the shortest daily bread devotion you're going to get. Oh, just kidding. So, moving on. So, I've divided this passage to uh, two parts. And I would say for the first part, Jesus is obviously addressing specifically to the rich man, um, and the second part to his disciples. So now I remember, I remember studying this passage when I was in college and I thought to myself, okay, simple enough. Um, 
I can't see myself being obsessed with money anyways. It's not like I love, it's not like I love shopping or caring about like all these like name brand items or I mean, I enjoy eating out and traveling, but you know, for sure, once I get a job, I'm always going to put God first before my own interests. And this is obviously easier said back then because I wasn't making any money. <laughs> so you can't be obsessed over something you don't have, right? Um, in this passage, you know, this rich man, and in some of the commentaries, they mentioned that this is actually, he's actually a rich young ruler. Um, he runs up to Jesus asking how he can inherit eternal life. Now, I'm like wondering, why is he asking this question? Like, is, does he want to live forever because he wants to continue this, his life full of wealth? I mean, to just to find any means to maintain his happiness forever? Because obviously once he dies, he knows that he can't bring any of this wealth with him. And so his source of happiness, you know, according to him, will be gone forever. And then I'm thinking, you know, he's a ruler, you know, similar to our politicians today, right? They know how to schmooze and they know how to suck up to, you know, those people that they can benefit from. And in some ways, I feel like this ruler is doing that to Jesus, you know, addressing him right off the bat as, oh, good teacher. And Jesus sees right through that and asks him, why do you even call me good? How do you even know that, right? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is questioning if this guy is calling Jesus good to just you know, kind of suck up to him, or maybe, and he just thinks Jesus is just a, a prophet, you know, like a, or does he really truly believe that Jesus is the son of God, inadvertently God himself? And I can just imagine the guy taken aback a little because he's probably not used to anybody responding to him in this manner. And, but Jesus goes on and tells him, you know all the commandments already. And he says, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, you know, honor your father and mother. All these things that, you know, they've, probably, they've heard, you know, not to do since they were kids. And this time around, the ritual caused Jesus just plain teacher. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say anything. Like, he doesn't say good teacher, right? So he states that, you know, he's been doing all of this since he was a kid. And obviously he's been a very good person. You know, he's been doing everything by the books. And, and at this point, he just wants the assurance that he's on the right track to eternal life, right? Along with his possessions. And I add this because I'm not sure if like the concept of heaven or, or eternal life are well understood, you know, back in Jesus' time. And not to say that we understand more of this now, but I think back then, you know, they know that heaven is where God resides and this is where everyone wants to be as their final destination. But for this ruler, I'm not sure if it's heaven he wants to be in or more like he wants his life on earth to go on forever. So obtaining, you know, that eternal life. And I love this next part when it says, you know, Jesus looked at him and felt genuine love for him. He knows exactly how this man's heart is, you know, before he even responds to Jesus' request. And yet Jesus still loves on him. Jesus knows that this man doesn't truly love God or Jesus. He loves his possessions way more. But regardless of that, Jesus still loves him back. He knows exactly how, you know, how our heart is, the temptations that we have, the greed that we hold on to, and yet he still loves us. If Jesus tells him, one thing you lack, go sell everything, um, 
and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And Jesus tells us exactly what he needs to do regarding his possessions. But Jesus just doesn't just stop there. You know, he goes a step further in telling the rich ruler, then come, like follow me. And so not only does God want him to give up his wealth and share his wealth to others, but God wants him to give up his whole life as a ruler, you know, leaving his family, his friends, his servants, his beautiful home, his comfortable bed, his overabundance of food, his, you know, his power to follow this Jesus, whose lifestyle is, you know, the complete opposite of what this ruler is used to. And so can you imagine the look on this guy's face when he hears Jesus' answer? I mean, this is not what he was expecting. And so it completely shatters this idea of what a believer God is, right? And he's, his thought is just by doing all these things, you know, following the commandments, that's enough for him to gain access to eternal life. And just, there's just no intention of really understanding what believing and sacrificing for God is. And so like what Pastor Paul mentioned on Wednesday, you know, the second part is Jesus is obviously continuing on this, uh, you know, teaching of his disciples of the different parts into discipleship. And so now he goes to, you know, he talks to the, he tells the disciples, he says, you know, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And it's not just hard, it's very hard for the, for the rich to enter. And the disciples are just literally amazed at his words. And in the Greek translation, it describes them as being like in wilderment. They're just so shocked and astonished, right? And this whole doctrine is so new and strange to them because I think up until then, the disciples thought that being rich is, is anything but negative, you know? In their mind, they thought that the kingdom of God would be set up in this great worldly getup and grandeur that all the rich men would come in with their wealth and be almost like be God's subjects and join to support the glory and splendor of it. So for them to hear Jesus like re-emphasizing this point, you know, comparing how it's so much easier you know, for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God is, is just completely shocking. And if the rich can't be saved, then especially the young ruler who not only was he rich, but he's followed all the commandments supposedly since he was a kid, then who can? So Jesus answers that it's only through God. And it's, I mean, it's humanly impossible. It's that he's the only one who can transform the heart of this person's trust and confidence and worldly riches to be compliant to God's will. And so with this, you know, I mean, Peter always has to kind of say something, right? <laughs> and I appreciate him for doing that because he's he's saying something. He's just saying what was probably on everybody's mind, uh, all of the disciples' mind. Like he, he's like, we've given everything up to follow you, you know. And and I would probably have the same reaction. You know, he's he's given up everything to follow Jesus, and surely, you know, he should be going to heaven, right? <laughs> And so Jesus sees that and Jesus reassures them that they would definitely be rewarded since they've left, you know, obviously they've left everything behind. And it's not just their possessions, it's again, their family, their friends, everything around them that they're comfortable with. Jesus warned them that they made the sacrifice um, that, you know, it's not going to be all free and easy though, that there's going to be hardships and it's just not an easy path to follow Jesus. 
But at the end of the day, it will be worth it because they'll be rewarded many more. And I love the fact that Mark included Peter's response just because there's such a real general response to everything that Jesus has said so far. Jesus recognizes all these like shocking moments that the disciples are experiencing at this time and just assures them they are building up riches in heaven. And then ultimately, you know, again, he says how great, whoever's greatest now will not be, will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be greatest once they reach in heaven. And I mean, back in the day when I was a student, I felt like the idea of giving away money to the poor sounds like a great, you know, sound idea. Yes, you know, of course, Christians should give to the poor. You know, but as I started making my own money, the thought of giving that hard-earned money away to someone else, you know, seems a lot more difficult. And for those who don't know, I work in a county, you know, county hospital, and all I see is people who, you know, live below their means, or you know, who usually are homeless, you know, and who don't have the, you know, money to support anything. But and I know some of these people are really, really sneaky too. You know, they know how to get their way around. And so I feel like it's not as innocent as us giving them money, you know. Um, but and so that greed for money for myself, it's it starts to grow. And and again, along with that, my, you know, my standards of living have gotten higher, and my needs, or actually I say, my wants have increased. And then you throw in a couple of kids, and then you wonder like where all the money goes, right? And um, I just want to share like, my, so my husband Sean, like he got laid off about five months ago, and although it should be it should be a very trying time, right, for us as a family who's who's very much used to having two incomes. And now just going down to one, I mean, it's really humbling. But yet, it's, it was actually a very fulfilling experience because it actually made our marriage stronger and because it brought on better communication between Sean and I. And, and he stepped up while helping me do stuff around the house with the kids and running my errands. <laughs> and it gave an opportunity for our kids to be discontent with what they have. You know, both of their birthdays, unfortunately, fall very close to Christmas. And so this past year, just they just didn't get a birthday party or, you know, they like they just OK with that. And they were OK with just having, you know, just a few presents under the tree, you know. And then and in these past few months, we, we had to modify our spending habits by a whole lot. And and I have to say, you know, it's also about our conviction from Beth's message on tithing. Like we feel God's blessing and reassurance so much more, you know, than, than ever before. And it's times like these that I know that not only will God provide, but he gives us even more than what we expect from him. Like of course, you know, I'm not encouraging any of you to ask your spouses to quit a job or anything, but it, you know, it just helped us to reflect on what our true needs and wants are while acknowledging our reliance to God. And so you can't be assumed with you know, consume with something you don't have. You know, believers in third world countries, they're willing to worship anywhere, right? Even in shacks, similar to the pictures that we saw in Mexico, where Pastor Paul, Susie, and Sean went a few weeks ago. You know, they don't care if it's in a nice air-conditioned building with the latest sound system, playing the most popular worship songs. You know, they, they just want to gather and worship God. And we're so incredibly blessed to live in this part of the world that we don't have to worry about our basic necessities. But because of this, we rely so much more on ourselves because versus being dependent on God. 
And that's probably why Jesus said that it's just so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's not the actual possessions and wealth that prevents us from entering um, the kingdom of God, but just because we have all these things, we rely so much more on these things, on ourselves, and forget about our needs for God. You know, through this passage, we see that we can't have our riches consume our being, but that this is not the source of our happiness. A true reliance on God, even if it entails us to give everything away, to drop everything we're familiar with, to step out of our comfort zone, things that are seemingly like humanly impossible to do, if we're willing and if we're willing and able to do because of our heart is with God and we trust God. And so this is how, I mean, this is really truly how we're building our wealth and obtaining eternal life up in heaven. Okay, that's it. So let us pray. Dear Father God, um, thank you so much for genuinely loving us. Even when you see the truth in our heart, we don't deserve your love. We're thankful that we live in this country of great wealth, where we have the freedom to do what we want to do and worship you openly. But because of this privilege, we pray that you work in our hearts. Help us to recognize that things may be actual objects, relationships, careers, lifestyle, or just the desire for money that's preventing us to follow you completely. That even though it's humanly impossible for us to give them up, just like what Jesus said, through you, God, everything is possible. We thank you for this time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.